Greetings, fellow humans. Katrina here. Quick disclaimer, I'm a professional. I'm not your professional. Anything I'm about to say should not be taken as medical legal or otherwise advice. This podcast is purely for education and entertainment purposes only. That is it. Disclaimer over. So today I thought we'd talk about what I don't know about the four horsemen. Not of the apocalypse, not those four horsemen. There's this other guy named John Gottman, Dr. John Gottman. He is one of the leading researchers in relationships, and he says the four horsemen of divorce are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So I thought we would take a little closer look at what each of those are and then touch on the antidotes for those horsemen. So the first is criticism. Criticizing one's partner is different than offering a critique or voicing a complaint. The latter two about are about specific issues, whereas the former is an ad hominem attack. It is an attack on your partner at the core of their character. In effect, you're dismantling their whole being when you criticize. The important thing to learn is the difference, I'd say, between expressing a complaint and criticizing. So a complaint will sound like this. I was scared when you were running late and didn't call me. I thought we had agreed that we would do that for each other. Criticism sounds like this. You never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe that you're forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. That's just not helpful. So if you find that you and your partner are critical of each other, don't assume that your relationship is doomed to fail. No, 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 no. The problem with criticism is that when it becomes pervasive, it paves the way for other far deadlier horsemen to follow. It makes the victim feel assaulted, rejected, and hurt, and often causes the perpetrator and victim to fall into an escalating pattern where the first horseman reappears with greater and greater frequency and intensity, which inevitably leads to contempt. So contempt is the second horseman. That would be my phone going off in the middle of a podcast because I forgot to silence it. Hopefully I don't get taken down for copyright or whatever of the song. Back to contempt. So when we communicate in this state, we are truly mean. We treat others with disrespect, mock them with sarcasm, ridicule, call them names, and mimic or use body language such as eye-rolling or scoffing. (laughs) The target of contempt is made to feel despised and worthless. So contempt really goes far beyond criticism. While criticism attacks your partner's character, contempt assumes a position, and that position is of moral superiority over them. Here's an example. You're tired? Cry me a river. I've been with kids all day running around like a mad, running around like mad to keep this house going. And all you do when you get home from work is flop down on that sofa like a child and play those idiotic video games. I don't even have time to deal with another kid. Could you be any more pathetic? That's contempt. It's not recommended. It doesn't feel good to the person receiving And it probably doesn't feel good to the person who's putting it out there. It takes a lot of energy to be so mean. Research even shows that couples that are contemptuous of each other 
are more likely to suffer from infectious illness. So that's things like colds, the flu, than others due to a weakened immune system. Think about it. You're stressed out all the time. Of course, your immune system is not going to work as well. Contempt is fueled by long simmering negative thoughts about the partner, which come to a head when the perpetrator attacks the accused from a position of relative superiority. Most importantly, contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce, and it must be eliminated for the relationship to survive. Another horseman is defensiveness. We've all been defensive, but it's typically a response to criticism. This horseman is nearly omnipresent when relationships are on the rocks. When we feel unjustly accused, we fish for excuses and play the innocent victim so that our partner will back off. Unfortunately, this strategy is almost never successful. Our excuses just tell our partner that we don't take their concerns seriously and that we won't take responsibility for our mistakes. So here's a question, and then I'll give the example of a defensive response. So a totally innocent question. Did you call Betty and Ralph to let them know that we're not coming tonight as you promised this morning? Defensive response. I was just too darn busy today. As a matter of fact, you know just how busy my schedule was. Why didn't you just do it? This partner not only responds defensively, but they reverse blame in an attempt to make the other partner at fault. Instead, a non-defensive response can express acceptance of responsibility, admission of fault, and understanding of your partner's perspective. Here is the non-defensive way that one could respond to that question, which was, did you call Betty and Ralph to let them know that we're not coming tonight as you promised this morning? Oops, I forgot. I should have asked you this morning to do it because I knew my day would be packed. That's my fault. Let me go call them right now. So although it's perfectly understandable to defend yourself when you're stressed out and feeling attacked, this approach will not have the desired effect. Defensiveness will only escalate the conflict if the critical spouse does not back down or apologize. This is because defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner, and it won't allow for healthy conflict management. Finally, the fourth is stonewalling. And this is usually a response to that second one, contempt, the one that's definitely heading for, towards divorce. Stonewalling occurs when the listener withdraws from the interaction, shuts down, and simply stops responding to their partner. Rather than confronting the issues with their partner, people who stonewall can make evasive maneuvers such as tuning out, turning away, acting busy, or engaging in obsessive or distracting behaviors. It takes time for the negativity created by the first three horsemen to become overwhelming enough that stonewalling becomes an understandable out. But when it does, it frequently becomes a bad habit. And unfortunately, stonewalling isn't easy to stop. This is a result of feeling physiologically flooded. And when stonewalled, we may not even be in the physiological state where we can discuss things rationally. So if you feel like you're stonewalling during a conflict, stop the discussion and the two of you take a break. Say something like, all right. I'm feeling too angry to keep talking about this. Can we please take a break and come back to it in a bit? It'll be easier to work through this afternoon after I've calmed down. Then take about 20 minutes 
but no longer than 24 hours. 20 minutes, 30 minutes minimum, 24 hours is the maximum. So do something that soothes you, read a book, magazine, take a walk, go for a run, just do anything that helps stop feeling flooded and then return to the conversation once you feel ready. The reason I have that 24-hour rule is because once upon a time, they used to say, don't go to bed angry. Resolve your conflict before you go to bed. Well, I would say go ahead and go to bed if you're arguing at one o'clock in the morning and you're angry and you're too angry and tired to continue. Go ahead and push pause on the conversation and resume it the next day. So then you may have had more like eight to 12 hours to really process your side of things, calm down, and then return with a more pragmatic mindset. So being able to identify the four horsemen in your conflict discussions is a necessary step in eliminating them, but it's not enough. Knowing is, might be half the battle, but it's not enough to make these things just go away. Poof. The drive, the, to drive away destructive communication and conflict patterns, we have to actually replace them with healthy and more productive ones. So I'll touch on the antidotes real quick. The antidote to criticism, which is that verbal attacking of personality or character, is a gentle startup. So talk about your feelings using I statements and express a positive need. The antidote for contempt, that was attacking sense of self with an intent to insult or abuse, the antidote is build a culture of appreciation. So remind yourself of your partner's positive qualities and find gratitude for those positive actions. Antidote to defensiveness, which I'll remind you was victimizing yourself towards a perceived attack and reverse the blame. Antidote is take responsibility. So accept your partner's perspective and offer an apology for any wrongdoing. The last one, stonewalling, withdrawing to avoid conflict and convey disapproval, distance, and separation. The antidote is physiological self-soothing. So take a break and spend time doing something soothing and distracting. And when you're self-soothing with the five senses, see, hear, touch, smell, taste, I think that's right, it's anything I say that makes you go, hmm. now that might be a smell, that might be a book, that might be an image. It's different for everybody. And there's a million different things that you might try to trigger those more pleasing emotional experiences. And if we're soothed enough, then we're able to face the conflict without avoiding it the way that stonewalling is. So I do hope that this was informative for you all today. And I hope you had a good time listening to me. Again, I got all this information from Gottman.com. He has a blog on there and additional resources if you're interested. Again, shout out to Dr. John Gottman. Thank you so much for all the research that you do. And if y'all want to support this podcast, you can click the button on the website or cash app Katrina Dragon. And as always, I do appreciate each and every one of you simply for existing.